Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our Sunday morning Bible class. It's good to be with all of our listeners. We're so thankful to have this opportunity, the ability and the means to teach God's Word through such a on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we do encourage you to come and be with us in person. Check us out. Study God's Word with us. Grow spiritually with us. Get to know us. Let us get to know you at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, our, we're located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, we have midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. We know that there are people who listen all across the country and literally around the world. They cannot be with us in person, obviously, but they, they want to be in God's Word. They want to learn more about the Bible. They want to learn more about God and about Jesus, about forgiveness and salvation and redemption through Christ. So help them by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. Again, remember, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So by sharing, you'll help them grow in their faith. And tell them also about our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. They can click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And then they will automatically receive all of our podcasts. They'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a Monday through Friday radio program we call Search the Scriptures, and a short, about a 13 or 14 minute Bible study every day, seven days a week that we call today's Bible class. All of that will go automatically to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whatever they choose. So tell everybody you can. Take advantage of it yourself as well. Churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Ruth. In fact, we're going to finish that particular uh, short book in the Old Testament today. And we do hope that you are enjoying and learning as we go through this particular study. We've been pointing out some important lessons for us as we read through this historical account of a two women, one Naomi and then her daughter-in-law, one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth. Remember, Naomi and her husband left Israel uh, when there was a famine. They moved to Moab, and there they were able to get food, and they had a life there. Their two sons buried Moabite women, and ultimately uh, Naomi's husband died, and then both of her sons died. And so that left just Naomi and her two daughters-in-law left. Now, again, as I've emphasized as we've gone through this study, to be a widow in that part of the world, in that culture of that day, was really a tough proposition. Uh, there were not all of the safety net social programs that we're used to in our country today. The widow in that day really had to fend for herself to a great extent. And so ultimately, Naomi decided to go back to Israel, to her 
tribes inherited part of that part of that nation that her tribe had inherited and the famine was over and so there was food there so she was going to go back but she told her daughters-in-law who were also widows because her sons had died as well she said go back go back home go back to your to your you know father's house um, I'm going to go back to Israel and there apparently was pretty deep love between Ruth, or rather Naomi, and her two daughters-in-law, but uh, one of them ultimately agreed, and she went on back home. But Ruth, one of her daughters-in-law, said, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Obviously, there was a, you know, a deeper degree of love between Ruth and Naomi than there was between her other daughter-in-law and her, although that seems to have been deep as well. But Ruth was committed. She was not going to leave. As we read in chapter 1, beginning with verse 16, Ruth told Naomi, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you, ju- wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried." The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a great statement. What a great commitment that Ruth was making to her mother-in-law, Naomi, through those words. And I believe that those particular words, or at least most of them, have been repeated many, many, many times between couples who are about to become husband and wife. What a great statement of dedication. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, they'll be my people. Your God will be my God. When you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. What a great statement of commitment and dedication, not just for the moment, but for life. Well, we saw how as uh, Naomi and Ruth went back to Israel, then as was the way that was laid out in the law of Moses, Naomi sent her daughter-in-law out to the field at harvest time to work in one of the fields as the harvesters of that field, as they would have some of the harvest fall to the ground as they would go through and cut the stalks and so on. The law was, you don't pick that up, you leave that for the poor. And also the corners of the fields would be left unharvested again for the poor. And so Ruth goes out, and she's working in the field that particular day, and the owner of the field, he notices her, and he feels some, perhaps, compassion or whatever upon her, uh, and he learns who she is, and he tells his harvesters working in his field, you uh, don't bother her, you know, you, you don't have, you don't cause any problems for her. Let her harvest. Okay. So, and then he gives her extra. Make sure she's got plenty to take back to Naomi because Naomi is within his general family framework. So he is actually a kinsman of Naomi and thereby, because Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi, he's a kinsman of her as well. And so Naomi sees this as, you know, great 
a great thing, a great blessing. So she begins to talk to Ruth about how she could approach Boaz because, again, under the law of Moses and in the culture of that day, in that particular part of the world, Boaz could actually end up taking Ruth as his wife, and that would take care of Ruth. And undoubtedly, because Ruth was so committed to Naomi, Naomi would be blessed in that relationship as well. She would be blessed through the marriage of Ruth and Boaz. Now, Boaz, though, he recognizes this possibility, and apparently he has taken a liking, maybe we might say, beginning to fall in love with Ruth, but he recognizes also that there is another kinsman who is older than he is, who is farther up in the ladder, so to speak, of the genealogical scale there, and so he would have first say as to whether or not he would want to take Ruth for his wife, but again, he was an older fella. But Boaz respected the law, and so he was going to go through him first and see what he wanted to do. In chapter 4, we're closing the book, and we see Boaz ultimately going through that process and then taking Ruth as his wife. Beginning with verse 1, now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came and sat, uh, he came aside and sat down. So Boaz is going to talk to him. He's going to tell him about the situation. I, I think from the way the text is worded that this, this older member of the extended family of, of Naomi probably did not even know about Ruth being there and the whole situation. So verse 2 he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Now, again, Boaz is really trying to cover the base as well. He's being very respectful of God's law. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And so, again, there's a piece of land that's, that's available, but it's to be kept within the tribe, you know, this particular tribe of Israel. And so, again, Boaz is being very respectful of this older family member who has first call, so to speak. And so, I'm next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So the older member, family member, he says, I'll, I'll buy it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to, per to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And this was a feature of the law of Moses, that if a husband died, leaving his wife a widow, then that husband's brother, and apparently it would even go on down the, 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 the family you know, bloodline, could take the widow as his wife and raise a child 
to the dead brother in the name of the dead brother, basically. And so here it, here it is, you know, land is, is a piece of land, apparently a piece of property is, is uh, up for discussion and decision. And also Boaz says, you know, you must also buy it from Ruth. Ruth is, is the daughter-in-law. She is the widow of the dead son of Naomi. And so now she figures into the whole process as well to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relatives said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And so the older member of the family bloodline says, uh, I, I can't do this. You, you go ahead and do it. You're next in line. You go ahead and take it. And now this, now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Now, again, we look at that and say, he took off his sandal and gave it to the other. That's strange. Well, we're talking about a different culture in a different time. When you read about in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, chapter 16, as you come toward the end of the chapter, and Paul is writing to Christians, and he's talking about your relationship with, with your fellow Christians, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Again, that was, you know, having maybe a kiss in the cheek was a custom of that culture, of that day, in that part of the world. Now, we would probably, somebody who is not one of our family members, who is not a close friend of ours, and even a whole lot of our close friends, we would hesitate <laughs> to just reach over and kiss them on the cheek. But we will shake their hand, right? Maybe even give them a hug. See, different cultural practices from different cultures in different times, in different parts of the world. Okay, so in this particular case, this older member of the family bloodline he hands his sandal to Boaz, and that is the indication of his passing his right of redemption onto the younger man within the bloodline, within the family. So going back to verse 7, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal, gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. We might consider it like a written contract, basically, in our day and age, legally. But then, of course, it was not written. It was, but it was done in the open before a number of the elders of the city. In verse 8, therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. Buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. So he's going to let Boaz buy the field and also take Ruth as his wife in the name of Ruth's dead husband. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Mahon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, that was the dead son of of, of uh, Naomi, and, and, and you know, it, she was the husband of Ruth before he died. And so, moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, 
I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his, from this, from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And so all of these elders, as well as this Chilion, this, 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 uh, or rather this uh, uh, older you know, member within the bloodline, within the family bloodline, they're, they're all witnesses. And the elders sitting there, they're witnesses. They see what's been going on. They see the whole, the whole process being transacted. And Boaz, again, showing great respect for the law and the customs, the culture of the day, he is trying to follow it to the letter. So you are witnesses this day. Verse 11, and all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. So they're telling Boaz, you have done right. You have covered all the bases, basically. You have covered everything in the process the way you were supposed to. And we are witnesses of this. So we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah and the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper uh, prosper in Ephrathah to be famous in Bethlehem. And so when they're, they're basically, you know, saying, may this wife that you're taking, Ruth, may she be like Rachel and Leah. And of course, Rachel and Leah were, uh, they were mutual wives uh, going all the way back to uh, early in the bloodline that, that made up, uh, you know, being wives of Jacob that made up ultimately the bloodline that resulted in the nation of Israel, you know. And so they're, they're wishing him their best, basically, in this ongoing marriage, that's, uh, this upcoming marriage that's going to take place. So all the people who are at the gate, the elders, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, again, they would, they would bear 12 sons and they would become the, 12, the, the forefathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. The two who built the house of Israel and may you prosper in Ephrathah to be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. And so they're wishing him again that many sons would be born to him through his marriage to Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. Now think about this. See, Ruth is still expressing her love for and dedication to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so the child that is about to be born, she is, she is you know, expressing how this will be a blessing not just to her, but to her mother-in-law as well, to Naomi, because it will carry on basically the bloodline of Naomi's son, Malon, to whom Ruth had been married before he died. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Has borne him. Now, when Ruth had been married to Malon, Naomi's son, she had borne no children to him. But now, 
through Boaz, still, basically, the name of Naomi's of Naomi, her family, Balon, her son, will go on, and that was the that was the way that was the law under Moses in that day in that part of the world. That was part of the culture. So, and notice also that Naomi uh, that Ruth tells Naomi, she mentions herself, your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. How that must have thrilled Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, that now she had a son through Ruth, who had been married to Naomi's son, Malon. And so through, even though Boaz was the biological father of this son, the son would be raised in the name of, basically, of Naomi's son, Malon. Again, some of this sounds strange to us, probably, but that, again, was part of the law of Moses and part of the culture of that day in that part of the world. Well, we finish out this chapter, and we finish the book of Ruth. So, Verse 17, also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi. (laughs) See, again, Ruth is the mother, but Naomi is the mother-in-law. And Ruth's son now, again, is born to Naomi's dead son, Malon. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse the father of David. Look at the bloodline there. So the son that Ruth bears is named Obed, and he is the father of Jesse, who would be the father of David, who had become the king of Israel, the second of the kings of Israel. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begat Hezron, Hezron begat, or begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. So you see the significance of the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth. Here she was, originally a Moabite woman, not even part of Israel, but she married a son of Israel. He died. They were without child. She so loved her mother-in-law, Naomi, that Ruth followed Naomi into Israel, became part of that nation, married an Israelite man, and bore a son that ultimately would be a forefather to the second king of Israel, David, whom is mentioned in the New Testament as having been a man after God's own heart. Wow. The significance of Scripture, how we learn, and how we grow in our knowledge of God. And we see God's providence in the process. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us so much. And Father, thank you for working in our lives so consistently through providence, your providence, your divine providence. Help us to open our eyes and see how you work through our lives behind the scenes and help that to strengthen even more our faith in you and to strengthen even more our dedication and faithfulness to you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. Help us to help others see your glory and come to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Please, Father, we pray at this time, please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.